stood up too often to be used by God? A guy named Jacob disagrees. Let's talk about it with Max Lucado on Steve Brown. He's an old white guy, an author, broadcaster, and seminary professor who's sick of religion. And he's brought friends. Please welcome Steve Brown, etc. Hey, we're so glad you're here that you take an hour of your busy day to spend with us is a high and holy compliment. In case you're wondering, I'm Steve, the aforementioned old white guy. Matthew Porter, our executive producer, is here. Matthew's love language is someone bringing him Chick-fil-A. Absolutely right. (laughs) And our producer, Jinx, is in the little glass booth. Jinx wonders if God wanted us to eat healthy, why did he create barbecue? And what are you going to say? That's a good question, but I'm looking at my bacon over here. I think I'm going to get another piece of that. Our uh, one-time IT, one-man IT department, John Myers, is in the tech bunker. John says he's confident that artificial intelligence won't turn evil and take over the world. But just in case, he's still being extra polite to Siri. That's <laughs> <laughs> true. And Dr. George Bingham is the president of Key Life for all you aspiring authors. George has some writing advice. Use adverbs sparingly. <laughs> Sorry. It's a nerdy, so nerdy joke. <laughs> and Kathy Wyatt is the soft feminine side of the program. Kathy says she's never been to an escape room, but she has been to Ikea, where they put you in a furniture store and don't <laughs> let you out. I understand. Ikea. Ikea. Well, I'm doing the best I can. <laughs> you you, you have to cut slack you for old Listen, it's Scandinavian. It's all good. <laughs> I, I asked you how you pronounced that and forgot it promptly. <laughs> I'm never going into that store, and if I do, I'll probably never come out. Straight for the meatballs. (laughs) Yeah. We have a great guest, one of my favorite people in the world, uh, Max Licato. He entered the ministry in 1978, and that's before most of you were born. (laughs) (laughs) He served churches in Miami, uh, Rio de Janeiro, Texas. He currently serves as teaching minister of Oak Hills Church in San Antonio. He's also a New York Times bestselling author with more than 145 million books in print. Max's latest book, which I hold in my nicotine-stained fingers, it's God Never Gives Up on You. What Jacob's story teaches us about grace, mercy, and God's relentless love. Max, thanks for taking your time to be with us. You know, uh, I'll I'll accept any opportunity 
to hang out with you, my friend. It is really a treat to see you. It is. And I did not know how to pronounce Ikea any, either. I, I thought you were saying Ikea about you. I thought you were trying to be affectionate. Ikea about you. Well, so I, I'm with you on that one. Listen, you haven't reached my age, but the older you get, the more slack they cut for you. And you can, need it. You can get away with saying a lot of things you wanted to say when you, you were young. <laughs> but you couldn't say them then. Now they just say it's just an old guy. You can excuse it. He's, you know, he's it's dementia. No, it what really, are they going to do? They can't fire you. <laughs> I know, it's too late to fire you. That's true. Hey, hey, listen, Max. And by the way, one of the cool things about you, and I uh, read an interview rather than heard it or saw it, but I read it when you were talking about how they said that you were the world's greatest preacher. And then you, well, you took your clothes off is what you did. <laughs> <laughs> you got honest in a way that absolutely blew me away. And it's one of the reasons that I love you. Um, tell us about Jacob. He's you know, I often say, if I were God, there's some people I wouldn't put in the scriptures. In fact, there are a lot of them. I mean, these are not wonderful people throughout the Bible. Paul said Peter, and he's the rock, uh, was a hypocrite. And that's in the Bible, so he was. And then you got David, and everybody knows about him. And then you got Jeremiah, who was a weenie, and... you. You know, it just goes on and on and on. I think, Lord, what are you doing? We need heroes. We don't need flawed personalities. So I'm going to write my own Bible. <laughs> Max. Uh, Won't have anybody in it. <laughs> yeah, it's going to have one page. You can read it in one day. That's right. And the page will be about Jesus. Max, tell us about uh, Jacob. Well, um, I love the story of Jacob, and, and I'd, I'd love to hear your take on Jacob. Maybe you, we can back and forth a little bit. I, I was uh, in the first chapter, I, I tell a story about uh, I, I've been wanting to teach at our church the life of Jacob, but I didn't know how to go about it. And one night I was at a dinner party, and uh, all the men were outside around the patio. All the women were inside. All the men were outside cutting jokes and sipping on wine, and all the women were, I don't know what the ladies were talking about. And um, I can't remember who first said it. Uh, Steve, I, I heard Tony Campolo use this line that when he was on an airplane, if he wanted to chat, he'd tell people he was a sociologist. If he didn't want to talk, he'd tell people he was a pastor. <laughs> and I found that to be true. And so uh, they were going around the table. I was new to the group. I'd never met this group. And uh, I knew what they were going to do. They were going to ask me, what do you do for a living? And uh, and I told them, I said, I'm a pastor. And, you know, it just puts a damper on mm. the evening. Everybody's mind goes in reverse. They're un you're apologizing for all their bad language and, you know, go through all that, make a few jokes. But uh, one of the fellows uh, who, who was at the, he was actually the host uh, was puffing on a cigar and drinking a glass of Pinot Noir. And he leaned over to me and he said, uh, you got any message for me? He said, I'm God's lost cause. 
Mm. And I thought that there's there's a picture of he needs to hear the story of Jacob. Uh, Jacob could have often said, I'm God's lost cause. The story is so full of irreverent, unexpected, inappropriate actions. Even though he's the grandson of Abraham, even though he is in that lineage through which the Messiah would come, even though he is the one we still, when we say Abraham and Isaac, we still add Jacob. Jesus did. Jesus did. So I think he's just a poster child for those who consider themselves uh, disqualified or un- unqualified uh, to be either, u- certainly to be used by God, probably unqualified to be saved by God. So uh, the Jacob story is, a, is, is that precious story for every person. And he didn't even die well. He was cussing and spitting on his deathbed. <laughs> I mean, you just, <laughs> you know, we have this kind of belief, uh, and that's why this book is so very important. We have this belief that you, you're you a sinner, and then you get saved, then you get fixed. And if you don't get fixed, you probably weren't saved. Or if you have a certain theological view and you don't get fixed, you lost it. And, uh, and yet the Bible uh, in general, and Jacob in particular, is such an example of a scoundrel. That would be me. That would be a lot of people. And your friend who said that he was God's lost cause, how sad. You know, we take the gospel— and we make it into bad news. And uh, people end up, after they become Christians, being as guilty and as lonely and as afraid as they were when they were a pagan. And I'm trusting that this book is going to change that perception. Has it been out long enough to get some kind of response? Well, it, not officially, Steve. It just came out to... Well, the, the official release, release date is today. Oh, but okay. you might, you know, I, I, I'm I'm still preaching at the church, and I did teach these sermons uh, at our church, and consequently got good feedback then. Yeah, and uh, yeah, that people people don't know the story of Jacob. They know Abraham. They know Moses. Uh, Jacob kind of flies under the radar. And so it's fun telling people uh, some of these stories uh, that, that really leave people stunned that, that somebody in the Bible did these things. You know, you've been, you've been for years uh, teaching on God's grace. And uh, so the people that would throw rocks at you have left your church a long time ago. (laughs) So that's not a good gauge, exactly, uh, (laughs) of the response. You guys got to, if you get down and you say, I don't believe I did that, how could I think that? How could I have hurt that person? How could I be so greedy? How could I be that way? and call myself a Christian. And at that moment, Satan will agree with you, but God won't. And you got to get this book and find out why. It's called God Never Gives Up On You, What Jacob's Story Teaches Us About Grace, Mercy, and God's Relentless Love. Don't go anywhere.
Hey, thanks for listening to Steve Brown, etc. And if you're enjoying the show, chances are your friends and family would too, right? So help us spread the word by sharing a link, clicking subscribe on YouTube. And if you think about it, drop us a review on your favorite podcast platform, iTunes, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Spotify. We're pretty much everywhere. Hey, is there one called Podblaster? I mean, it feels like there should be, right? But like no E in Blaster. Just Blaster. 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 Anyhow, that's how the colons do it. Hi, this is Steve Brown. And in case you didn't know, one of the main reasons Key Life exists is to remind believers that God isn't mad at his children. Why am I telling you this? Because our weekly email, Key Life Connection, takes the best of the videos, articles, and puts them right in your inbox. We'd love for you to try it. It's free. Go to keylife.org slash subscribe. Thanks for joining us. We're hanging out with Max Lucado and his latest book. And it is such an important book. God Never Gives Up on You, What Jacob's Story Teaches Us About Grace, Mercy, and God's Relentless Love. Max, I'm in uh, Chapter 12, and I'm absolutely loving this book. But I have to tell you my absolute favorite line thus far is in Section 7 where you introduce the subject of of Jacob dealing with Laban and and the statement is your Laban is streptococcus on the tonsils of your life. <laughs> I just thought w- w- what a remarkable <laughs> remarkable definition. I loved it. Um the thing that comes up repeatedly is the issue of Jacob facing his past, dealing dealing with all of that and even at the end of chapter 9 when you're talking about him you know, having to come face to face with Esau, and and you say again there, um, you can't move past your past without God's help. You keep bringing that up repeatedly, and it and it is so important. And obviously, there's a lesson in that for all of us, um, isn't there? I mean, you just can't go yeah. anywhere without you can't you can't avoid it or erase it or forget about it. I've got a I've got a a theory that I'd like to test on you guys, and that is that unresolved past is really a a cause of anxiety. You know, we live in an anxiety ridden society, and um, we talk a lot about the causes of that stress. And I I just think there's something that we're not talking about much, and that is our memories that we're trying to either escape or suppress, or douse, or drink away, or stop away, or eat away. And we're trying to outrun our past without really uh, coming to grips with it. And, and, and it's easy to understand why, because apart from grace, you don't quite know what to do with those things you did that you knew, you know were not right. Uh, Jacob is a is a classic example. You know, he's running away from Esau. He's running away from... Isaac, he's running away from his past. And you you, got to wonder at some point, did he ever stop and think, you know, I could just turn around and go back and apologize 
I don't have to go all the way to Mesopotamia. I don't have to hide out. I don't have to escape. But and and, and he is the grandson of Abraham, so you'd think that he would have some type of idea that there are other ways to to deal with our past rather than to run away from our past. Mm-hmm. But in these days in which there's so much anxiety, I, I honestly wonder how much of it is just trying to escape the poor decisions that we made and cover up or run away from them. Oh, that is, and that's profound. It's true with me. You know, I about had a nervous breakdown when I left the pastorate for a lot of reasons. And one of them was I didn't, I, I had suppressed my past and the memories and I was doing fine until I hit the wall. <laughs> and then the whole world came apart and I spent a year confronting some things that uh, were pretty heavy in my life. And we came out with Born Free Seminar that we have done years ago in a lot of different places. But I think you're right on. And I think not only that, that the efforts to surpass the past, to get away from it, to run away, that all of that creates an incredible self-righteousness a facade that causes us to inflict um, that on others. And and one of the reasons we hate each other so much, and we do, and we're so divided, comes from exactly what you're talking about. And and just keying off of that, you talk about shortcuts and, you know, with God and um, drinking is just one example of, of shortcuts of, like, getting around, doing the work, and going through the process that God wants you to. I heard some comedian talk about, like, well, look, just drinking is just going to make you forget your problems for a little while. And the guy's like, well, yes, I will take that bargain. <laughs> that works. <laughs> uh, that's fine. I'm in. And you're like, I get it. I really do. Uh, I really do get it. But t- if you would talk more about that, the kind of the part, the shortcut is really like the most painful, long way ar- around mm-hmm. the whole deal. It doesn't, doesn't deliver on what it promises. It's interesting, you know, Jacob was the second son in a culture that really treasured the firstborn. And I don't quite get all that, but um, the older brother Esau was the firstborn, which meant that he would really inherit the clan. He would inherit the large portion of the inheritance. And Jacob, that that didn't settle well with him. There's just a triumph of irony that he was born holding on to to his brother's heel as if to pull him back because that's what he really wanted to do. And then the mother, Rebecca, had received this message in a dream that the uh, elder will serve the younger. And I don't quite get all that either. <laughs> but what I do know is that Rebecca and Jacob, I'm sure she told Jacob about that dream, knew that at some point uh, Jacob would be the lead guy if, if they trusted that dream. But rather than wait for it to work out in a, an appropriate fashion, whatever that might be, they took matters into their own hands and they created a shortcut. That's why uh, Jacob's, you know, convinced Esau to sell his birthright yeah. for just a bowl of stew. And that's why he lied. Jacob lied to his father. All have sinned and taken shortcuts. <laughs> you know, all a short a sin is is a shortcut. You know, it's not enough for me to 
<clears throat> trust God to solve this, I'm going to have to manipulate. I'm going to gossip. I'm going to flatter. I'm going to lie. I'm going to be deceptive. It's it's just taking a shortcut because God's timing is not my timing. I'm in a hurry, and so I've got to I've got to move things down the track. Uh, Jacob did that. He, he he really paid a price to do that. I do that. I've done that. Uh, Stephen alluded earlier to a time that uh, about 20 years ago, I thought that a, a good big can of beer or two or three at the end of the day would be good to help me deal with the stress of being a senior pastor. That was a shortcut. It's a shortcut. I wasn't doing dealing with my anxiety in a way that I should, and I paid a price for it. I learned a good lesson. Uh, God's mercy is still great. His forgiveness is still abundant. Mm-hmm. But learning to trust him to work things out in his way on his timetable is just part of growing up. And it's harder to fix if you do the shortcut. I mean, God does better at fixing things than we do. I mean, Esau, okay, it worked out a little bit, but I never would have forgiven Jacob. I mean, if he screwed up my life that bad, I don't care how many cattle and how many goods he gave me, that isn't going to cut it. <laughs> it's, just, it's just not. Well, cut out the shortcuts and sin boldly. I didn't say that. Martin Luther said it. And trust boldly that God knows what he's doing. You want uh, some great teaching on this. The book is God Never Gives Up On You Ever. The ever was parenthetical, and I included it in the title. The subtitle, What Jacob's Story Teaches Us About Grace, Mercy, and God's Relentless Love. Don't go anywhere like Jesus. We're coming back. Hey, thanks for listening to Steve Brown, etc. And if you're enjoying the show, would you help us let others know about it? You can share a link, click subscribe on our YouTube channel, or drop us a review on your favorite podcast platform. Thanks much. Hi, this is Steve Brown, and I'm excited to tell you about a new offer from Key Life called Living with Steve. Let me tell you the way it works. I travel with you wherever you go. If you need an entertaining conversation or even a sermon, there I am. That's the good news. The bad news is that it cost a million bucks. <laughs> but wait, there's good news. You can get everything I've just described with the Key Life app. And for a limited time, it's not a million dollars. It's free. Try it now at keylife.org app. Potato. You can keep up with Max at Max Lucado, L-U-C-A-D-O, MaxLucado.com, and on social media at Max Lucado. Uh, Max, you use the terms um, transactional theology and transactional faith, and if you could kind of break those down a little bit or, uh, you know, apply those, but 
then maybe to add a little bit of an extension on that. Um, so we might say that, as we were alluding to in the previous segment, um, no, waiting on the Lord is the proper means to the end. But in addition to that, uh, maybe waiting on the Lord is the end in of itself. Um, is that stringing too many thoughts together? If you could elaborate on that. <laughs> all, all of those are great thoughts. They are. They are. Uh, uh, you know, so, so the context, uh, Jacob, you know, pulls that trick on Esau, pulls the trick on his father. Rebecca says, Jacob, Esau's got that look in his eyes and that dagger in his hands. You better hightail it to see my uncle Laban, which is not a short distance. He takes off and he's apparently dead broke, which is curious because Abraham was rich. His father was rich, but uh, Jacob doesn't even have a pillow for his head, which reminds us of someone else. And he falls asleep there in the desert, sleeping on a rock. And he has that beautiful vision, you know, that the, he sees the, the ladder from heaven and the angels ascending and descending and God at the top. And it's as if God is reaffirming his covenant with Jacob. Jacob has done absolutely nothing to warrant a vision from God at this point. He's not prayed. He's not offered a sacrifice. Uh, he's not done anything that we know of that would warrant a special message from God. It's grace, 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 grace. And then Jacob says, okay, I think I'll pray. And he prays this prayer. He says, God, if you will watch over me, if you'll take care of me, if you'll keep an eye on me, then I will say, I will say that you are my God and I'll give you a tenth of everything that I own. <laughs> Come on, Jacob. Number one, does God need your endorsement? And number two, you don't have a penny. You don't have a penny. And so this is this the big two dollar term is transactional theology. God, if you do, I will. If you do this, I will. And uh, the, the, the the problem with that is that it reduces God down to the size of a person with whom we can barter, like a like a camel trader. It, it creates a very small view of God. God is not reduced. He's just reduced in our mind. And and I get this. I get this. I, I, I tell in the book, about the same time I was writing this chapter, I went to the hospital and I visited a young couple from our church and their baby was in NICU. And that baby, as it turns out, did not survive. The baby was born with some really challenges, really severe challenges. And I expected to find the young mom and dad in tear and anger, but they were uh, in tear and, and worry, but they were angry. They were angry and they were clenching their fists, staring through the window of the NICU at that baby. And when they saw me, they turned and they said something, a paraphrase, something like, if God doesn't save our baby, we will not follow him. And I, I get the emotion. I get it. I do not fault them at all for that outburst mm -hmm. but it's a if god doesn't then i won't or if god does then i will again it's it's this negotiating with god so let it be said god is god <laughs> god is mm -hmm. god and sometimes he, he it's right for them to pray it's right for jacob to pray but let us never get to the point where we say, okay, God, I, you and I, we got a deal, a little quid pro quo going on here. That just doesn't work. It doesn't work. Didn't with Jacob, it doesn't with Max, then with we got to let God be as big as God wants to be because we've got big issues that we need God to solve. 
That's mm. so good. And it's so but we don't. I mean, I'm still trying to make deals with him. <laughs> and 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 his response is you through. <laughs> and, and then his relentless love, not his relentless drugs, but his relentless <laughs> love is uh, plain over um, overwhelming. Max, do you, um, you know, and you've experienced this, some people get angry at the kind of things that you're saying. I mean, you're excusing sin. You may not even be saved. You're <laughs> You're making you're making a case for Jacob and no case can be made. You are saying things about God that forget about his wrath and his judgment in hell. Do you, do, don't you need a little bit of balance in this thing? I mean, don't you I mean, where you you're, Well, you're leaving him with I get 11 seconds. <laughs> Leave me alone. I did meet a guy the other day who told me that his mother just burned all my books because she read a book I wrote on Greg. Oh my goodness. That's awesome. I love I'm in passion. good company. I don't understand that. I really do. I used to say, God, I'm glad I'm not Tony Campolo. Man, all he does is make people feel guilty, and you told me to tell them they're forgiven. And uh, that's a cool place to be. And then I found out people were madder at me than they are at Campolo. That's crazy. (laughs) (laughs) Guys, uh, the name of the book, and it is such a good book, and it's all true. God never gives up on you. I don't care where you've been, what you've done, who you've hurt, what you're drinking. He really doesn't, and you need to hear this message. God never gives up on you. Hey, thanks for listening to Steve Brown, etc. And if you're enjoying the show, chances are your friends and family would too, right? So help us spread the word by sharing a link, clicking subscribe on YouTube. And if you think about it, drop us a review on your favorite podcast platform iTunes, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Spotify. We're pretty much everywhere. Hey, is there one called Podblaster? I mean, it feels like there should be, right? But like no E in Blaster. Just Blaster. 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 That's how the colons do it. When Christ promised we could live life to the full, he didn't just mean eventually in heaven, because Jesus didn't come to save us from our humanity, but to restore it. Life with a capital L. Find it now on keylife.org slash store. What if you could start your day by hanging out in God's Word and with some of the most significant theologians, authors, and pastors ever? That's the idea behind the one-year devotional, God With Us. Find it now on keylife.org slash store. Being with us during this hour, we're talking to Max Lucado. And by the way, if you like this show, you might also like our weekly email, Key Life Connection. It's free, so you can't complain, and easily <laughs> worth twice that amount. <laughs> While you're thinking about it, go to keylife.org/slash/subscribe and try it. Uh, we don't absolutely promise, but it has been suggested by God 
that if you do, you'll get three free sins. <laughs> Worth trying. Hey, wait. Yeah, I want. Max wants. Yeah. They had a book burning of your books. <laughs> Listen, they've been angry at me, but not like that. Not a book burning. Not what? a book burning. Why do people? You, get... you know, my, my response to when when people, uh, I don't hear this much anymore. But uh, people who do accuse me of, of being too big on grace. Number one, I say that I'm in great company with the Apostle Paul <laughs> because Good. he Good. taught about grace so much that he had to then say, well, hold on just a second. What are we saying? Are we going to say you're going to have so much grace that sin may abound? By no means. Yeah. And, uh, and, and that, that's where we get the concept that, that grace appropriately received results in holiness desired. If you really receive grace, it does. I think it does activate a license to sin for a short time. But, boy, you live with grace very long, and it creates a, a longing a longing, a peace, a joy. It's 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 just truly life changing. And so I, I I'm I'm I consider it an honor if I'm ever told you teach too much grace. Yeah, I do too. I I'd say something like that, but I make an obscene gesture first. <laughs> <laughs> Well, <laughs> Max, going about that. Okay, longing. I'm going to insert myself into this conversation. All right, I know what you're going to say. You go for it. In. Okay, you know I go way back with Steve Brown. I go way back. Uh, my first church I served 1979. Hurricane David. Well, that'll predate. That may uh-huh. that may be pre Noah. Hurricane <laughs> David came. I owned a houseboat. I lived on the Miami River. I was single. I was at a church in Little Havana on 27th Avenue. And a fellow, and I, somewhere along those two or three years that I was serving at that church, I, I made friends with a guy who was a member of Key Biscayne Presbyterian Church. He said, you need to you need to come and, and, and meet this Steve Brown guy. And uh, Steve let me meet him. He went, we went out and we had lunch. And First I led, I led Max to Christ. A lot of people don't know this. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was surprised, number one, that he met with me. Number two, that he smoked a pipe after the meal. <laughs> and then uh, I, got on, I got on the mailing list for the, and this is dead serious here, folks. I, I was for five years, the next five years, living in Rio de Janeiro, Brazil. And each week I received a Key Life cassette tape, cassette tape <laughs> with the sermon. I would listen to each, I listened to each and every one of them, each and every one of them for five years. My, my nourishment came from this Presbyterian and Key Biscayne, Florida. And uh, even hearing his voice today stirs warmth and love because he was my nourishment. The Lord used him to steady my, my wobbling feet when I was trying to adjust in a foreign country and uh, for that reason, I, I think uh, there's a lot of Steve Brown inside me, whether good or bad. I don't smoke the pipe, uh, but I have been known to chew tobacco. And, uh, I, I paid Max I, to say I, those I, things, and he did it quite there, well. There's, there's, I I, listen, there's probably a, a hint of, of an old Presbyterian inside of me that I could dig up. I don't, I don't even want to ask a question. I just want to play the hymn and pass the plate. And yeah. I, I do. One thing that you said, I, I think it's worth revisiting, where you talk about that desire to be better in our frustration you know with the, the the progress what do we do with that you know like god i want to be better i am so far from where i want to be 
is that itself proof that God's working on us? Or what, what do we do when we find ourselves in that position? We're not beating ourselves up, but we are longing to be further down the road. Making slow progress, in other words, not moving yeah, as quickly right. as, as, as we would like. Yeah. The and when I say people, I mean me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, me too. Me too. Why do I keep doing what I used to do? Yeah. Um, you know, I, I really have a, I, I really get excited because I think there are breakthroughs. I think there are breakthroughs. I think there are those times in which uh, it's been months, it's been years, maybe decades, and I'm still battling that same, same hang up. And the Holy Spirit in his kindness has reserved for us a breakthrough moment in which he will usher us into a level of maturity that maybe we didn't have. And, and, and it's not like it's going to come gradually, but it's going to come, uh, you know, in almost almost in a moment. So I feel, number one, very confident of telling everybody there's a safety net of grace under you. So when you fall, not if you fall, but when you fall, you'll be caught. And then you'll be put back on your feet. And number two, just look for that moment. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. Either either God is going to give us a breakthrough moment or he's going to come for us, one of the two. But I believe he wants us to grow more than I want to grow. And so with that, we're in agreement. And so I think we can have this divine optimism that we can expect a breakthrough at any moment. Just keep moving forward. It's going to happen. Mm. Oh, man, that's a good word of hope. You know, I've often said, and it sounds so pious that I hate it, that you've never met anybody who wants to please God more than I do or screws it up more. And uh, But there are breakthrough points, and I'm still here, and I'm better uh, because of those places where God is broken in. And uh, I expect by next week I should be entirely sanctified. <laughs> and then I won't be able to do this show anymore because these people are just maxed. You have no idea how hard it is to be as spiritual as I am and to do a show with a bunch of sinners. It's just, and I'm being facetious, of course. And if you want to know why, you've got to get this book. Um, it's uh, God Never Gives Up on You what Jacob's story teaches us about grace, mercy, and God's relentless love. Can I tell you one thing really quickly? Yeah. Um, in chapter 12, the whole book is just fabulous, and, and people, you're just crazy if you don't get it. But but the one little caveat in, in that that's so cool is the beginning of chapter 12, you'll get to find out what Max is going to do on his first day in heaven. And that's that's the greatest couple pages, other than the part the part about the in the in chap the other chapter. Yeah, it's really cool. Chuck Goldson told me he was going to smoke a cigar. He said, "If I had known you could live as long as you have, this is one of the last interviews he did. Live as long as you have and still smoke. I never would have quit." <laughs> well, Max is going to be at the Pearly Gate Sidewalk Cafe, so. You might so, want to. I'll be looking yeah, for probably in, not in a heaven. cigar. I, not. I've made arrangements to be in the non-smoking section after I die. <laughs> hey Max, we got thirty seconds. Say something profound. Hmm. Well, it's not so much your hold on God that matters, but it's His hold on you. Amen. Yeah. Amen. He's not going to let you go. He's not going to let you go. And His love for you doesn't come and go. Doesn't ebb and flow like your friends does or your spouse's does uh, but he has chosen to love you 
and uh, there's nothing you can do about it. He, he's going to keep loving you and uh, look more on him and less on your look toward him. Just trust him. Just trust him. And he's going to get you home safely. Hey, thanks for listening to Steve Brown, etc. And if you're enjoying the show, would you help us let others know about it? You can share a link, click subscribe on our YouTube channel, or drop us a review on your favorite podcast platform. Thanks much. What if you could start your day by hanging out in God's Word and with some of the most significant theologians, authors, and pastors ever? That's the idea behind the one-year devotional, God With Us. Find it now on keylife.org slash store. This is Pete Dowinson, and if you're a guy, I want to show you how to recover and reclaim an intimate, growing relationship with your Heavenly Father. Check out Like Father, Like Son, How Knowing God as Father Changes Men. Available now at keylife.org slash store. Believer, I want you to remember that where sin abounds, grace does much more abound. And you will run out of sin before God runs out of grace. Grace, the real good news of the gospel. Find it now on keylife.org slash store. Sitting around talking during that life break after Max had left us. He is an amazing guy. We're talking about how hard it is to be famous. And he is unbelievably famous. Millions of copies of his books. And what you just heard or saw on this program is exactly the way he is. Um, and it smells like Jesus. I don't know how he does that. I keep saying, God, why don't you give me money and give me a bestseller? And he says, because if I give you an inch, you'll take a mile. You give Max Lucado an inch, and he'll settle on the inch and then give you part of it. <laughs> that's a that's an amazing gift. And, uh, and you don't see that very often. Maybe it has to do, do you think, with what he was teaching in this book that God never gives up on you. We're trying so hard because we're sure that he will. One step in the wrong direction, one word that is unplanned, one act that is sinful, and it's over. That's not true. The safety net is not only a safety net to give you forgiveness and acceptance by God when you didn't expect it. The safety net that is there so you won't brag about it when things get better. And that maybe is the secret of Max's ministry. And it's an incredible ministry. And Catherine, you've done good. Thank you. In fact, you are He's you one to, of my favorites. I know. For all of us. Who's next week? Next week, our friend Alex Early, who is... Uh, not only is he a great author, I mean, as far as books are concerned, I think he's probably the most read blogger at the Key Life website of all the bloggers that we have. You know, everybody loves Alex. Anyway, Alex has a new book out, and it's called Thinking About God, Theology Q&A for Kids. And interestingly, obviously, it is exactly what the title says, but there's a lot there. It's not just at all a, a children's book. It's really a, a, a great book. 
And, you know, we think our children are too young. Make them sing, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so, until they're 16. When they're 16, you can tell them some other stuff about the Graf Wellhausen documentary hypothesis. But don't do it when they are little. But you get this book, and you're going to change those views because it is serious theology for children and for adults. Well, we're out of here. Wasted another hour, but we're going to come back (laughs) next week. Same time, same place. Hope you join us. And between now and then, don't do anything we wouldn't. That gives you a wide, wide berth. You finished that up early. How'd you do that? Uh, (laughs) I'm just seeing that clock and it's going. I'm never sure. You're not getting me this time, clock. (laughs) 